Oh, good. Okay. As I was saying, I'm just commencing to finishing up these peanut M&Ms. That's a Sunday morning tradition for me. And then after that, I partake in this freshly uh, opened bottle of water, nice and cold this morning. So I'm charged and ready to go. We pray you're ready to go. And let me tell you something. These little ones standing up here, it brings a, a, tears to my eyes because just standing up here, they, they, they want to be up here. Praise be to God. And we've got grown people out there. How foolish, how foolish of lives they're living, what they're really truly missing out on. I just can't help it, but, you know, to see these little ones and all over our community and in our, throughout our country, little children that are being raised up in, in, in the admonition of the gospel, God's holy word. We're glad you're here this morning, and whenever you all get to listen out there, we're glad that you're getting to tune in uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on our discussion on heaven, and probably one of the most fundamental questions Everybody asks, I'm sure even unbelievers, they realize there is a heaven and a hell, many people do. But the question is, who's going to be in heaven? That's a big question we've not discussed yet. Um, I'll give a story um, about a pastor going to a foreign country. You know, maps are very important, aren't they? Who's ever used, back in the day, a paper map? You know, uh, McNally's has these paper maps out. They don't, I don't see how they're even in business because of the smartphone now and tablets and iPads that have everything to your precise location and where you need to go to your other destination. Um, the story is the pastor, he's invited by another uh, pastor friend of his that he'd known for many years. He called him up one time and wanted him to come be a guest speaker at his church. So he got everything together, made the travel arrangements, and headed to Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. He arrived, he said, about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and he got all of his luggage. Thank goodness none of it was lost, he said. And he waited outside the front of the terminal for his friend to pick him up. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. No pastor in sight. So he got worried, you know, my, my ride's not here. I wonder what's going on. So he goes back inside, and to the terminal to call his friend and he retrieves a letter of invitation he'd received in the mail and he noticed something peculiar that uh, the address on there uh, the, the address of the return portion didn't correspond to where he was at in Winnipeg and he naturally thought that he had spoken at this pastor's church before he just naturally assumed he was still in Winnipeg Manitoba so he realized that he had a problem and he went to the ticket counter and he asked the attendant for help and the, he said, this letter says I'm supposed to be in Vancouver, British Columbia. He said, uh, is there a bus that I can catch? And I need to be there in about 30 minutes. And that attendant said, a bus? Are you out of your mind? He said, Vancouver is 1,500 miles west of here. He said, but today, I, it's like the price is right. He said, I, it is your lucky, it's your lucky day. He said, we have a plane that's leaving just about, he said, right now. And if you'll get your ticket and you'll run down to the gate, we'll hold the plane for you. And you'll gain two hours west going to uh, uh, Vancouver. And you'll be there uh, an hour's time early so you won't miss your, your, your plans whatsoever. So he said he ran as fast as he could. And he got to the ticket counter and he gave his ticket. And then he proceeded down the walkway. And the attendant said, excuse me, sir. He said, uh, here's a map of our country, Canada. Use it. It might help you the next time you come to our country. And so 
he what he th- thank goodness for that plane you know and he gave him a map you know uh and we've all traveled anybody ever been lost before well gary what a oh you know i heard that oh we've all been lost at one way one time of our lives you know uh going to some place it can be kind of embarrassing and she'll holler won't you stop and ask somebody hello men don't stop and ask for directions we just don't we've got the brains we'll figure it out on our own okay anyway but there's one time in your life i can guarantee you you don't want to end up in the wrong destination you know when that is the day of your death you better make sure you're not headed to the wrong destination you know in our discussion about heaven we've talked about several different truths about our eternal home that jesus the bible says is preparing for us right now we've looked at many different surprise surprises uh about heaven that may be surprising to people the fact that we're going to spend eternity right here for all eternity we're not going to spend eternity up there we were made as beings to be planted our feet on solid ground and then down the road in the next several coming weeks we're going to discuss that yes we are going to know one another in heaven you know we'll have brand new bodies um, although all the imperfections that we have in these bodies right now will be gone we will still retain our identity. We'll talk about that in, in, in the weeks ahead. We've talked also about eternity. We're going to be doing more than just floating around a cloud, plucking a harp. That's not what we're going to be doing in heaven. I talked about several weeks ago, we're going to have real, meaningful work. Gary mentioned it in Sunday school this morning. Real work and enjoyment in heaven one day. And today we're going to talk about a great, many people, I think, a great surprise that out there in heaven. Who's going to be in heaven? We're going to be surprised. Think about this. We're going to be surprised that many people that we thought were going to be in heaven actually don't make it to heaven. But on the flip side, we're going to be very surprised that people that we never dreamed of in our wildest imaginations would never make it to heaven actually make it to heaven. Now, when I say that, I'm not suggesting there's not a general standard by getting to heaven we all know there is a standard in which we have to uh attain and reach to in order to get to heaven the fact there is a standard and some people will say only god can make that decision only god decides who gets to go to heaven and who doesn't well that is very true god alone makes those decisions but however the fact is that's not a secret it's very public it's in god's word god's standard on what it takes to get into heaven And God's made it very clear there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the Son, Jesus Christ, and Christ alone to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. When I say we're going to be surprised one day who's going to be in heaven and who isn't, I'm saying we're going to be surprised on who actually trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins. In Hebrews 4.12, it says only God's able to judge the thoughts and, and intentions of a person's heart. So I think we're going to be surprised to find out many people we thought, professing Christians who say they love the Lord and they've trusted Him in, in Christ as Savior, maybe they really actually didn't and they don't make it to heaven. We're also going to be surprised that we thought people who never would have ever trusted in Christ as Savior actually trusted in Christ as Savior and made it to heaven. 
in heaven. We may very well be surprised to people who are or who are not in heaven. But we never want to be surprised about our own personal destination, do we? We don't need to be surprised one bit at all. But yet the Bible indicates many people will be surprised. It'll be the biggest surprise, I guarantee you, of their lifetime. They will have thought that they were welcome into heaven, but that day of judgment, God will turn them away. Listen to what Jesus said. That's what I'm talking about. The surprise in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Pay attention to that phrase in the beginning of verse 22. He says, many will say to me on that day. What day is he talking about? Do you ever stop and think about that? He's talking about the day of judgment that is still yet to come. He said not just a few are going to be surprised. He says many will be surprised who thought God was going to welcome them into heaven. But in fact, God will turn them away from heaven. And I think I might, maybe think of an illustration. A few months ago, me and, and my father-in-law Stanley took the kids to Marlowe's Pumpkin Patch and all I heard about when before they went, they thought that they were going to go, go up this big giant slide. I mean, it was really tall slide and come down. Of course, we'd wait at the bottom for them to come down. And anticipation built, we went there and two people were, you had to pay, I think, a dollar or whatever for each kid to go up there. Well, then I looked over to the right and there was this uh, marking. You had to be this tall. They got turned away. They turned away with their head down. And I was disappointed, too. They got turned away in disappointment and walked away with heads down. There was no, that was as disappointing as that was for the kids. Just think of what it will be. People are not going to walk away when they are rejected from heaven. They're going to be cast immediately into the second death, the lake of fire one day. They will not be able to just walk away with heads down. Why is that? Why does God turn people away? Well, it's very simple. They were on the wrong road the whole time. The Bible teaches that there are two roads in this life that lead to two totally different destinations. Let's look at it in verses 13 and 14 of Matthew 7. He said, enter through, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. He said, and there are how many? He said, there are many who enter through it. Then he says, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who will find it. Did you hear exactly what Jesus just said right there? There are not one, there's not one road in this life. There are two roads in this life. One road, he said, is broad and it's wide. Anybody can get on a road like that and not fall off off the shoulder. It's broad. It's really wide. It's a highway leading to hell. On that broad road, he said, are many people. That's most people. Then there's another road heading the absolutely opposite direction, he said. He said, this road, though, is very, very narrow. And that road will lead to heaven. And he says, there are few who are on it. How The question is, how can you make sure 
you're on that right road and not leading to that, that old ACDC song on that highway to hell, if anybody's ever heard that. Think about that. There's a lot of truth in that. Most people are on that highway to hell. I'm not trying to put a plug for ACDC, but that song was out there. I remember hearing it. There's a lot of truth in that. Most people are on that wrong road leading, not to God, leading to eternal separation from God. This morning, I want to share with you, if you'll think of it as four signposts, we have all kinds of road signs out there, speed limits, and, and here lately, it's all construction stuff going on out there. Four signposts, if you will, that you can check with yourself, and they'll show if you're on that road leading to heaven. And these signposts, they represent four essential truths that you must acknowledge, not just in your head, but in your own heart if you're going to end up in heaven one day. What are these signposts? Look at it. The first uh, signpost about getting to heaven, signpost number one is we must acknowledge that we have a sin problem. We have to acknowledge that we have a sin problem. Let me tell you something. You speak to an unbeliever and you try to tell them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, that's enough to turn them off just right there. Most people don't want to acknowledge they have the sin virus in them, but unfortunately, they do have it. They refuse to acknowledge it, and it's insulting to them. You know, many people say, I'm turning around and getting on that different road. The fact is, God says we are all sinners. Look at Romans 3, uh, verses 10 through 12. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is no, he says, not even one. Then the climax in verse 23 says, For all have sinned and what? Fallen short of God's glory. How many good people are there in the world? Do you ever think about that? I mean, we talked about this morning. There is still good in this world. Communities coming together to help those unfortunate people who whose lives and communities have been devastated by these horrible storms that come by Friday night into early Saturday morning. There is, but how many good people really are there? How many of them are righteous to whom God says, you know, those are really good boys. Those are really good girls. You want to know how many? Zero. Zilch. Nada. Not a single one of us are good whatsoever. You know why that is? Because we fail short of the perfect standards of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, at all times. There is no righteousness compared to God's perfect standard. Some have sinned more than others. We get that. But we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's plan for our life. And then he goes on to say in Romans 6, 23, because of that, he says, the wages of sin, the payment is death. He says, but the free gift of God is is uh, eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's not just a physical death, but a, hear me, hear me a spiritual death. That word in Greek, uh, thanatos, it means a separation. Death is a separation. Just as a physical death separates, is a separation. He's got it on the screen. I forgot about that. See, I forget sometimes. He said, just as physical death is a separation of our bodies, from our spirit, your spirit, soul, eternal death is the separation of our spirit from whom? From God, okay? We all deserve that sentence because we have all sinned before God. Man, people today, they just don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they are separated from God. 
the moment we were born, we were separated from God. And they protest their sinfulness. They, they're like that child, and we all have, have been witness to that. I'm sure I did it myself, that protest to their mom that they didn't have their hand in the candy or the cookie jar. And you ask them, and they got crumbs and chocolate all over their face. I didn't do it, mommy or daddy, but yet they are still rebelling, so they didn't do it. Um, I, thought of a, I thought of Isabella before. She's getting better about it now, but was you and Grace's makeup? No, daddy, and it's all over her face. Thank you. Honey, you need to do a little bit better than that. I'm trying to be dishonest. That's just not going to cut it, okay? We've all been through that. We can say all we want about not being sinners, but we have evidence that's contrary of the way of that way of thinking, don't we? Have you ever had the experience? Here's a great experience that we know we're a sinner. Have you ever had the experience of sitting through a wonderful uh, church service? The, the songs, the worship was just out of this world, and then you're into a a fire and brimstone, well, maybe not fire and brimstone, but a great message from God through whoever's standing before you preaching. And all of us, you're in the spirit, and all of a sudden, the most horrible thought comes into your mind. That ever happened to you? Come on, it's happened to every single one of us. Sometimes there are funny thoughts that don't need to be in church, but we have those moments. You think, where in the heck did that just come from? That's because we're sinners, ladies and gentlemen. We are sinners saved by God's grace. That's the difference. Those thoughts or outbursts of anger, those sinful actions or wrong motivations, they are symptoms of a sin problem we have all inherited. We talked about this morning from Adam. And even me and Dad were talking about that way to church. The Bible says because of that, we are all guilty before God. The second essential truth on getting to heaven, signpost number two is God is, remember, God is sinless. We have a sin problem, but God, he doesn't. God is sinless. We have a word for that in the Bible. Why is God sinless? Because God is H-O-L-Y. God is holy. That's the word. No less than six times in the Bible does God say, be holy for I am holy. The word holy literally means sep different, separate, above everything else. God is different than we are. We are sinful. God is sinless. A lot of people, they just don't, they can't uh, get their little uh, pea brains around that, that, that we're not like God whatsoever because we're sinful. God is sinless. You know, many people wonder, why is God so judgmental about sin? Anybody ever asked that? Why does he take it so seriously about things in this world and the things that are going on It's wrong? Why isn't God more like me? Somebody might ask. They might say, I'm so kind, I'm so tolerant. I find it easy to overlook other people's mishaps and their sin problems, much less I can even overlook my own. Why isn't God acting more like I do? The fact is you and I, you and I can overlook sin and other people in their lives, not because we're so much like God, because we're so much different than God. We are sinful. But God is not like we are. Look at the uh, prophet Habakkuk in chapter 1, verse 13. He, he says, your eyes are too pure to approve evil, and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. Why do you look with favor on those who deal treacherously? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they? God has a zero tolerance for sin because he is holy and he is absolutely sinless. Now, when you couple that truth 
with the first signpost that we have a sin problem and the second signpost that we uh, have we serve a God who is sinless, it can be very discouraging, just like that very easily. On our journey to heaven, none of us has enough spiritual gas, you will, in our tank in order to get into heaven. Some people might have a quarter of a tank. Some people maybe have, have half a tank or even seven-eighths of a tank in their own life. But guess what? It's still not enough to get into heaven. For all have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. So then the question is, what in the world is our option? That leads to the third signpost on the way to heaven. That is our need for Jesus, our need for a Savior. Jesus is the solution to everything in this world. He's the solution to the sin problem. We are sinful. God is sinless, but he has exactly what we need to get to heaven. Now, stay with me here in just a moment. I'm going to explain this, okay? When Jesus died on the cross, there were two amazing transactions that took place, okay? The first one is Jesus took the punishment that we deserved for our sins. That was the very first transaction. The Bible says God is so holy, he couldn't look upon evil. Look at Nahum chapter 1, verse 3. It says, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm in his way, and clouds are the dust beneath his feet. God, his holiness, demands that sin be punished. When we talk about this morning in Sunday school, Gary, America is in a Romans chapter 1 mentality. We've turned so much away from God, he has given us over to a reprobate, or in some versions, a depraved mind. Okay, America, you don't want anything to do with me? This is what I, I'm going to let you go through, okay, because of that. But not then. People are like, woo, we can do what we want. That's fine. Go ahead. But there's a payment for that one day because God cannot overlook sin at all. When Jesus died on the cross in some inexplicable way that I don't believe any of us can explain, he took all the punishment from God that you and I actually deserved. And then the second transaction is Jesus gave his goodness that we don't deserve at all. He credited it with what? His righteousness. We talked about righteousness here a couple weeks ago. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Did you know that because Jesus was the was the perfect son of God. He was the only person ever born that could accomplish those two things. No one else in human history could accomplish those two transactions that took place on the cross. He was the only one that could take the punishment for our sins because he was sinless. He didn't have to suffer for his own sin. He didn't have any sin whatsoever. He was the only one qualified to take that punishment. And he's the only person in history who had enough righteousness to get us into heaven. And that leads to signpost number four. And lasting, he says, we must choose, the fourth signpost, we must choose to accept Christ's offer for forgiveness. All right? And it's so interesting. If you've made it this far on that right road, a highway to heaven, you believe that you have a sin problem. You believe that God is sinless. And you know that you need a Savior 
and that Jesus can solve that sin problem by taking the punishment you deserve, giving you that righteousness that you don't deserve. If you accept all of those truths that I just mentioned, you're closer than 99% of most people in this world. You're that close. Most people turn away at the first idea that they're a sinner and in need of forgiveness. They turn away and go, they think, another road that will lead them to eternal life. Others turn away at the discouragement when they think God is so holy to have fellowship with them. And really, we don't deserve fellowship with God whatsoever. Others stumble over the idea that only Jesus can offer salvation. They look for other methods, other alternatives. Unfortunately, Christianity is teaching that there, Jesus is not the only exclusive way to heaven. If you've made it this far, then you've made it further than most people. And yet, you're not quite there. You're not at that finish line. You're almost there, but not quite. There is a final step you have to take on that highway to heaven. That is to individually choose to trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation. You can believe God is holy and you're unholy. You can believe Jesus died and he paid the price for our sins, but there's, all, there's a but right here. There has to be a time when God transfers the goodness, the righteousness of his son, and he transfers it over to you, into your life. So that when God looks down on you, he doesn't see your imperfections. He doesn't see the sins that have been covered they have been covered in the blood. He, he sees the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, covering you, covering your life. And John said it this way. He says, but as, but as many as received Jesus to them, he gave the right to become what? He said, the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You know, we all have various amounts of goodness in our spiritual gas tank. You know, like I said, some have a quarter of spiritualness in their spiritual gas tank. Some may have a half. Some may even have seven-eighths. It may be almost full. But like I said, it's still not enough. God offers his forgiveness to anyone and everyone who will ask. Now, in closing, Randy Alcorn gives a powerful uh, demonstration, a story in his own personal life of the power to forgive from a story in his own life. Listen to this. He says, Wesley Allen Dodd, tortured, molested, and murdered three boys in Vancouver, Washington, 15 miles away from our home. Dodd was scheduled to be hanged, the first U.S. hanging in three decades shortly after midnight on January 4, 1993. At dinner that evening, both of our daughters, then 11 and 13, prayed earnestly that Dodd would repent and put his faith in Christ before he died. I only agreed with their prayers but only because I knew I should. I stayed up and watched. Reporters from all over the country crowded around the prison. Twelve media representatives were first-hand witnesses to the execution. When they emerged 30 minutes after Dodd had died, they recounted the experience. One of them read Dodd's last words. He said, I had thought that there was no hope and no peace. I was wrong. I found hope and peace he says, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Gasps and groans erupted through the crowd prior to his execution after saying that. Their anger was palatable. How dare someone who has done something so terrible to say he has found hope and peace in Jesus? Does he really think God will let him into heaven after what he has done? Shut up and go to hell, child killer. You won't get off that easy. The idea... He, uh, 
uh, Randy Alcorn says, the idea of God giving grace to Dodd was utterly offensive. And yet, didn't Jesus die for Dodd's sins just like he died for mine? He says, no sin is bigger than the Savior. Grace is literally not of this world. I struggled with the idea of God saving Dodd only because I thought too much of myself and too little of my Lord. Listen to me in closing this morning. It doesn't matter what any of us have done. It doesn't matter what any of you have done out there. It doesn't matter how much or how little goodness you have in your spiritual gas tank. God is willing and he is able to forgive each and every one of us and you out there in the listening audience. God is ready to welcome you into heaven if you're willing to ask. What is Romans 10, 13 says? For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Let's bow together in prayer this morning. Do you know you're on the highway to heaven this morning? Or are you on the broad and the wide path leading to destruction, leading to hell, separated from God forever and ever? There's only two roads. We just discussed it this morning. Jesus himself made it very clear. There's not one road. There are two roads. Which road are you on? God is willing and able to forgive. No sin that you may have ever done in your life is too big for the Savior. That's the kind of God, that's the Savior we serve, Jesus Christ. If you're unsure, you better make sure. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If God's Holy Spirit is working on you this morning, you'll know it. Trust me, I've been there. We've all been there. Those that are, have come to faith in Christ, you'll feel the conviction. You'll know you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And Jesus is the only way to eternal life in heaven one day. You can make this decision right now. Don't hold it off. The devil's going to want you to hold off on it and say, maybe some other time. I've got more out there for you to experience first. He is a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. You can't trust him. He wants you separated from God forever and ever and ever. You know, as we head into this Christmas holiday, everybody's exchanging gifts. The greatest gift you can receive is salvation through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Won't you do that? If God's Spirit's working on you, no matter where you are, if you're driving, pull off the side of the road. If you're listening to me, I hope you're not watching me while you're driving down the road. Pull off the side of the road and you can say this simple prayer with me in your silent, in your heart, or out loud, knowing that God is listening and ready and able, willing, right at that moment to forgive you of your sins. Say this prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner and I'm truly sorry for all those sins in my life. But I believe what I heard today, that you love me so much. You sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins taking the punishment that I deserve for my sins on that old rugged cross at Calvary. I'm trusting in what Christ and Christ alone did to forgive me of my sins. Not by my good works, only by what Jesus did, shedding that precious blood on that old rugged cross. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I'm praying right now that you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all of your heart, you are now on that right road 
the one and only road leading to eternal life with Christ and with your beloved ones who have went on to die in Jesus on that road, that highway to heaven. You're going to want to give a testimony. Tell everyone who will listen to what Jesus just did for you, taking you out of that old lifestyle that Satan wanted you to be consumed in until the day you died in, in eternal and have an eternal life separated from God into a new way, a new life, a new beginning in Christ Jesus. Tell of what people, your friends, your family, anyone who will listen about what Christ just done for you, showing in that joy, that new joy that Christ just give you from your head down to your feet and your heart is anew in Christ Jesus. Tell everyone about what Christ just done for you. And then make sure you get into a Bible-believing church that teaches all, the whole counsel of God's Word. They don't cherry-pick Scripture to go on to make, to make you feel good of what's going on in the culture, to accept, to try to accept and, uh, things that we know biblically, biblically are wrong that's going on in our culture. Get into a Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word and teaches about sin and what sin has done, not only to you and to everyone else you know, but to this entire world that has infected everything that God made that was good. Get into a Bible-believing church just like this one, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist. Our information is on our Facebook page. Um, it's on our website, pvbaptistchurch.org, where we have great sermons on there, uh, information on what it takes to become a follower of Christ. Uh, get on there, great information Daniel has put together. And if you can't get to this church, get into another Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word because we can't make it as Christians. Even to this day, even, even the greatest evangelists that ever lived, they couldn't make it on their own. They needed like-minded believers to help them grow, to help them when they're down, to lift them up, to encourage them. That's what it's all about in the Christian walk. Get into a Bible-believing church. We encourage you to come here. We welcome anyone and everyone who has accepted Christ as Savior. Father God, I just pray this morning that no one that may have listened to this message or someone else out there, a great teacher of faith that has uh, preached salvation, preached the gospel, and sent out that invitation of salvation, I pray none of, none of them will resist that call. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.